You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man-to-man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Welcome back to another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 247. I am your uh, your host right now, my man uh, Jeff Howe. He is still on leave. Uh, Jeff Howe will be on leave, but I believe he'll be back next week with us. But for now, just me and my man Matt Butler getting it done here right here on Longhorn Blitz. I'm Rod Babers. And uh, we got a lot to get to on the show. How you doing, Matt? How you doing, man? Doing pretty well, man. How about yourself? I'm doing great, brother. I'm doing great. A lot of Longhorn football news to get to and less and less uh, COVID-related discussions about um, what they're going to do in regards to college football and how they're going to prevent the players from getting COVID, but more football-related stuff to get to. So I'm really, really excited. Uh, we got to start with some recruiting news, which was a big story on the 40 Acres, kind of sent shockwaves all throughout college football. Quinn Ewers, who was the top recruit in the 2022 class, uh, verbally committed to Texas this past week. Now, He is no longer the number one recruit in the 2022 class. These things change, and from day to day, I don't even know how it works, but your overall composite rankings at 247 Sports, at the time, he he had a perfect score. So Friday. He had a, yeah, he had a yeah. perfect score just this past week, and then I don't even know what happened over the weekend and yesterday, a couple of days ago. Uh, he now has a point nine 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 four or something like that. So he's the second highest rated player in the twenty twenty two class. Still, no, it's pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. So I don't know how that works, but at one point, uh, a lot of people were uh, comparing him to Vince Young because Vince Young was the last recruit at Texas that had an overall perfect recruiting grade. Yeah, a score, I should say. Yeah, and I mean, going back to your days with Chris Sims, you know, whenever I heard this, I guess it was on Friday when the commitment came through, and that was my immediate thought. I was like, wow, because it, you know, we had heard about this guy. Jeff had talked about this guy. I remember us looking up his photo when we were down at the uh, Onion Creek compound whenever he first found about this dude and the videos of him chunking balls 80 yards, and it was like, oh, yeah, we got a big arm, South Lake Carroll, top end quarterback, and like Texas fans, like, remembered the Garrett Gilbert, but like the the level of recruit like you just didn't have the fervor for recruiting back during the Vince era in 02 or 99 like you had it but it wasn't just at your fingertips 24 the internet era hadn't you taken weren't getting over updates every yeah. week it was the beginning where, of the internet era exactly really like was. you had your fab 55 on Christmas day back yeah. for that 99 class it wasn't We're still enough. going to newspapers for yes. our recruiting news and now you're talking about <laughs> algorithms updating it on a <laughs> weekly basis so he drops from the best to the number two best but either way to get a dude like that it's just so huge 
huge for a class to be able to be one of those jump off points and maybe get other guys to hop on or other guys want to join with. And you've talked about it all over the years, what the Chris Sims commitment not only meant to your class, but then the springboard for the Mac Brown era and the Quinn Ewers could hopefully be one of those guys for the Tom Herman era. Yeah, he still is the top quarterback in the 2022 class. But you're right. I think the and you know there's a lot of buzz, of course, around the country. And these these young guys, unlike you know when I was being recruited with Chris Sims and you know Corey Redding and all the guys I came in with in that number one class in '99, we didn't really have a way to communicate and talk to one another. They have social media. Yeah. So these young people. You talked people, about the three way call they, was a yeah, big they deal. Brewster calling you yeah, in like it did um, the three way phone call. Exactly. So it they they have an ability to talk to one another. These kids can communicate, and if there is momentum, um, re- recruiting momentum at a program, it's usually because these guys decided they wanted to play together at a certain place for whatever reason. In 2018, you kind of saw it right with the the young DBs at yep. Texas. That's why they really recruit so many great DBs. Uh, the buzz was they wanted to have the greatest DB recruit class in the history of recruiting. I, I think they almost damn near pulled it off. I'm not sure exactly. I got to go back and look at scores and mm-hmm. rankings, and I'm sure that all the recruiting gurus can tell you more about that. But there is a, I call it the we are the world phenomenon with recruiting, and it happened in 99 when they got Corey Redding and then got Chris Sims, and then from then on, I think it, it was just a domino effect, and that gave Mac Brown a ton. And, and there's I mean, there's a reverberating effect of this, right? I mean, Chris Sims comes in 99. You don't get three five-star wide receivers, B.J. Johnson, Sloan Thomas, and Roy Williams in one class. You may get one or two, Mm -hmm. uh, but you don't get all three unless you had Chris Sims there. And I think think even further, I think it goes to, you know, you get your said Bs and all that coming later on. It's just that kind of recruiting momentum. The reason I call it the We Are the World theory, just really quickly give my We Are the World analogy, uh, the We Are the World, the collaboration by all the stars in the 80s. If you haven't seen it, the video is really, really creepy. But the song is really, really cool, and they did it for you know uh, for for charity, right? I think to feed Africa, something yeah. like that, right? Something like that. Like, I can hear Africa. the hook in my head, but yeah, I don't even yeah. know what it is. That's when it's good marketing. <laughs> so it was actually Lionel Richie and Kenny Rogers who came up with the concept. but Hell of a duo. Yeah, hell of a duo, right? But even Lionel Richie and Kenny Rogers, they, they had this idea. They wanted to get all the all-stars of music together for a good cause, but they didn't have enough prodigious clout. Yeah, Everybody wouldn't take their call. Yeah, so they had, you know to, get I mean? the industry they had to go get someone who they knew if that guy called you, you would return his call or you would take that call. Mm-hmm. So you stop what you were doing and go, oh, he, that guy's calling? Okay, we got to get him. So they went and recruited Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones was kind of their main recruit. They said Quincy Jones is the biggest name in music. Everybody respects Quincy Jones. Everybody knows Quincy Jones. He had just uh, got done collaborating with Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. Right? Getting Michael Jackson, I believe they did Thriller. Thriller beat it, time that 84. Yeah, it was a bunch of those, right? So if you start looking at it, Quincy Jones said, we got to get Michael Jackson. He's the biggest star in the world. And we got to get Stevie Wonder. He was like, Stevie Wonder is like the second biggest star in the world. They got those two guys. He said, if we get those two guys everybody else will start calling us. You'll get, then you'll get Bruce Springsteen and Willie Nelson and Bob Dylan. They'll call us and go, what's this project you guys are working on? I mean, why didn't you guys call me? Mm-hmm. And show you right, they got Michael Jackson, they got Stevie Wonder, and with Quincy Jones and the power of those three, boom, 
it was just a domino effect, the momentum of it, and it just took off. And then they got everybody they wanted in the music industry. Some of those people dearly didn't belong, but uh, we can get into that later. That was yeah, the, it, the it, Christian it, Leitners of the group. But still, it, it was No, exactly. Yeah, the Dream Team, that's a great <laughs> reference and a great one to throw it, yeah. in there. You totally forget he was even on the team. But when you talk about that sort of momentum or the wave that comes after that initial surge, whenever you land the guy like yours, like now when you get to look back at history and sort of reverse engineer where Texas ended up post, it sort of makes sense because not only have we been talking about Texas not having a first-round pick since Vince Young, that also means the skill position guys since then haven't been there. And you're talking about Same the point. way that you had the momentum and had people commit. Like in you, you, it was a perfect example with Sims because of the trio of the oh, wide yeah. receivers and then the top running back. And that was Cedric Benson was a top end recruit that Texas wasn't getting at that end. Like even Roy and BJ and Sloan were huge, yeah, biggest in the Seb state that was day. A different he level. was on I that, that inside the state. Yeah. Like there was like folklore, and yeah. then it just happened to work out that he had you know the dreads and had uh, post Ricky and it was a few years so the remembrance and since we brought him up I saw the anniversary of him passing was just within this past week yeah, so while we're on it put it sure. that out there too but no those that wave that came and then we sort of talk about well how has Texas not had a offensive line or any skill position guys and you talk about when was the last ones that make impact and they're guys that like, become a Marcus Johnson that didn't even get drafted or ends up making yeah. it onto a roster and that really could be because when you look at this situation with yours you're hoping to get the next skill position the top end guys to be the ones to fall in and be that wave to go but when you look back between Vince and I know that in recent years we've had a few and Deontay was a gym that came out of yeah, nowhere and things like much. that but you had a decade in there when you weren't producing totally those right. type of guys and if you don't get that quarterback or say when that quarterback doesn't work out the way the Garrett, Garrett Gilbert situation mm -hmm. didn't work out and really not Gilbert's fault more just the everything involved with Texas it was not ending well with the way, way of football Texas was playing at that time in the era of the conference where it was going towards but now you get to a point that you can actually get that top end QB we're talking about mm -hmm. schemes fitting we're aligning and starting to check those boxes which were all the boxes that we had sort of started to envy these schools around us where you look around it not only it just said Joe Blow Big 12 team but you got SEC's full offense now mm -hmm. and like now you've seen the Big 12 spread out and you even out to the ACC has loaded I mean right. I, Clemson was a joke for a long time but now they're filling out that entire conference and you get the Mac Brown and the concepts mm -hmm. out there and I saw him since we're on Mac Brown since my mind brought me there I saw him he's using a stick walking around North Carolina to keep himself distanced from all the kids have you seen this <laughs> have you seen Mac Brown there's no, a story I it, dude I clicked it on ESPN yesterday awesome, it's just a headline Mac Brown has his COVID cane or COVID <laughs> stick and he just has a stick to poke the kids and just well, keep because away. Mac so is very, uh, he's very personable too. He's a yeah. guy that usually's Hug a hugger and a toucher. So I get, get away. From oh, me. And then now that's get a great away. joke. You know, yeah. Mac's loving it. Every time he sees the kids, I gotta do it for football. Don't watch it. I can poke you a little bit too. <laughs> But yeah, That's so really the, just the a proliferation of offense and where we're at in the Big 12 to now see Texas not only getting the players or maybe oh, the yeah. scheme, it really gives you right. some excitement. Yeah, I mean, the reason you, you didn't get guys like Garrett Wilson is for that very reason. Yeah. Right? I mean, he literally was like, well, you guys are not developing that kind of talent. And I mean, why would I go there when I can go to Ohio State who's going to have big-time quarterbacks, mm -hmm. big-time wideouts, and producing in a, uh, guys uh, at an NFL rate, uh, at least a high success rate. Uh, here's one thing. I love this story. This from Aggieland. Uh, 
there's a tight end that played at South Lake Carroll. Ah, yes, I saw this guy. Right, Blake Smith. He's now an Aggie. He committed in the 2020 Perfect name for a tight end. (laughs) It is, Blake Smith. And he got himself in a little bit of hot water (laughs) because after the Quinn Ewers commitment, the big-time commitment, he went on Twitter, and I don't know why the young man did it, but he went on Twitter to congratulate, uh, you know, his fellow South Lake Carroll high school, uh, high buddy, school probably. buddy back. I'm sure I'm, I'm not sure if they played together because he's a sophomore, right? Or at least he was a sophomore yeah. last year. It was like he was, was the young so either way, I'm sure they know each other, right? Yeah. So I'm sure just to congratulate his it's a friend. football factory like Lake Travis. It is a football factory. He went on Twitter and he said, <laughs> "Congrats, bro." Business decision, and if I was wide receiver slash tight end, dot, 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 I'd commit there with him, just saying. He's an Aggie. And he, he deleted it very quickly. I don't Listen. know how soon after, but very soon after he deleted the tweet. But he, he's an Aggie. It's cool to congratulate your homeboy for yeah. getting, you know, for committing somewhere. That happens all the time in social media in the college football world. What you don't see all the time is someone out there saying that if I had to do it all over again, I would commit to the rival of yeah. the school that I committed to. Yes, that's and- not good. That's like going to a that's like getting invited to a wedding, <laughs> yeah, and then standing up and telling your woman, "Damn, baby." If uh, if she if, if me and her man, hadn't worked out, if he didn't out, get her, yeah, if she hadn't married him, man, I I definitely would have dumped I mean, you for her. I mean, that's <laughs> I don't I don't get it. Well, no, but and I get where you're coming from, and it's the sports world that you and I sort of grew up in, but we've also seen it evolve, and it reminds me of all these NBA guys right now because you see a lot of people out there in the older generation of coaches or of players that are like, oh no, I just I can't see how you'd go over and join him. He's an enemy and never want to go and play. But I really think these kids have more of this relationship that we've talked about, like where you, you don't necessarily have the allegiances mm-hmm. towards the teams. You have the allegiances towards the players or like all these no, kids right. that come up in yeah. these camp atmospheres, very similar to the AAU atmospheres. So they all know each other for many years and closely and before the recruiting yeah. process happens. And then like the same way that you and Jerome Sapp were separated away from each other because of basically offers and coaches at the time, like he, he was getting offered or to go to Notre Dame or something, and it wasn't either person's control. You just get different offers. Maybe when you're 15, 16, 17, you have to go somewhere, but you still have those allegiances, and it just seems more so nowadays that the team allegiance isn't the end all. It used to almost be at a point where, no, I, if I am on this side, this is us versus them. I cannot hop over, but mm-hmm. like the LeBrons, the KDs yeah. that have went and made it to where like you can see in almost like I, it was weird. I rooted for a LeBron. I was a LeBron fan, not an NBA fan, so I sort of understand that path that fans can get in and or these kids can get in where you end up getting this relationship amongst players and a detachment from the team. Now for yep. cl- college, it's even more weird because like you actually have these stewed rivals based in <laughs> hundreds of years of tradition which then these younger kids don't necessarily understand know or have ever lived or even chosen and then they get to the point that everybody watching from the outside in it's like how could you go and join them over there whenever they actually just are probably buddies that he's like up oh, he's too good as you can see good talent I think I want him throwing the ball to me yeah no it is and I think I got to go look and see if Blake Smith had any Texas offers. 
because maybe he didn't get a, maybe he didn't get a Texas offer. Maybe his only offer to stay in the state was A and M. Or maybe he had his no best clue offer Quinn Ewers would be interested in Texas two years later. Um, yeah, it could be that. I I think it may be more that he didn't get the Texas offer. Remember, Texas doesn't make a lot of offers. No, I think Texas I agree actually with you. is a, I agree with you. Texas is different from the Bama's and the Ohio State's and. Clemson's of the world, even though they're a blue blood, Tom Herman, his his philosophy in recruiting, he doesn't make a lot of offers. He still wants that exclusivity. He still wants something special about the Texas offer, even though you could argue that's a bunch of BS. <laughs> How yeah. special it can it look be? Like, it looks like he has A&M, Baylor, Boston College, yeah. Cal. He has an Alabama one, but I don't like, see a Texas. So, maybe, you know, I'm not saying he shouldn't have went to Alabama. Yeah, uh, we'll get into a guy who chose Texas, who chose Alabama over yeah. Texas in just a second. But my point is, I think he is one of those guys, kind of like Quinn Ewers. The world on the street is he's a Sam Ellinger, right? I think I always say Sam Ellinger would have came to Texas no matter who the exactly. hell was the coach. It didn't matter who the yeah. coach was. You could have been the coach. I could have been the coach. Charlie Strong, the coach. Nope. Wouldn't have mattered. Mm-hmm. All right? He was going to go to Texas. Lifer. And Quinn Ewers, something tells me Quinn Ewers is kind of like that, too. Like, no, no, I was going to go to Texas. Yeah. Like, this is where I always wanted to go. Yeah, when uh, you're that big of a recruit and you recruit or commit sort of early, it sort of makes you feel right? that way. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and maybe that could change, too, which we'll get into oh, that happens. Especially with modern-day yeah. recruiting. So, something tells me Blake Smith, that he he wanted that Texas offer. And if Texas would have offered him, he would have he would have went to Texas. And now he's probably even more you know upset about that, perturbed about that, because he's thinking to himself, damn. This, huh? this generational quarterback went there from my old high school, and I could have been there, and that'd have been awesome. It'd have been cool just to be there, and potentially one day play together. I don't know if that'd have been. Well, you know, if it doesn't work out, there's a transfer portal. So, and Texas uh, always needs tight ends. Uh, yeah, that's very true. That's a really, really good point. But I'm sure, uh, yeah, that probably led him in some hot water with with the Aggies. Oh yes. That's uh, it's not a good move. Not a good move. Aggie fans during the past like six months have been dealing with a lot of chaotic situations. They have been dealing with a lot of chaotic situations. Uh, here, you know what? Since we're talking about Aggies, mm-hmm. um, get, basically giving backhanded compliments to their own. I gotta find this quote to end to to end this uh, particular conversation. Then we'll move on to talking about Jalen Milrow. Do you remember when Von Miller, <laughs> sorry to take a shot at the Aggies, but I just love this quote. Do you remember when Von Miller was asked about the Aggies recruiting him and the way he described the recruitment? Remember uh, I remember being funny. I do not remember oh, it, it is exactly, great. I got the quote here because it, it is. people thought that was a funny, Longhorn fans thought that was a funny jab by Blake Smith. Nothing compared to what Von Miller said about his own Aggies. I love this quote. He said, A&M really wanted me. You know that girlfriend that's really not that attractive but she's going to do everything she can <laughs> to keep you. That was A and M. That hot chick that just talks to you on Mondays. That was LSU. <laughs> <laughs> that was his recruitment, pretty much. Wow. Uh, by the end of, so hey, listen. You know what? Sometimes every, it works. You no, know, every guy out there listening, and you know what, women too, mm-hmm. they can relate to that person who. They weren't really on your level. You may have been out of their league, but they were really – their effort was amazing. Yes. They were really, really into a you. A quality person. And they were a good person, and they were willing to go above and beyond to be in some type of relationship and have companionship with you. Yes. And that was the Aggies with Von Miller. And I think every now and then you decide, you know what, 
She's a seven, but damn, she works hard. You know what? We're going to kick it a little bit, girl. We're going to yeah. hang out a little bit because you you deserve it. Yeah, it may have <laughs> a lot more ease on your life. Like. It all sort of just more telling about where the person is in his relationship status. Very true. I just yes. love that quote by Von Miller there. All right. Von, Von, Von Miller, quite the laid back guy that seems to have fit his personality more so. No question. I mean, that guy's not <laughs> dancing with the. He's actually one of my favorite Aggies, dancing with that, which is weird to say. Like, yeah, yeah, there are very few I'm of them. Saying, my favorite Sooners, too. That's what I'm saying. We have the favorite Sooner, favorite Aggie conversation is kind of like my favorite serial killer. I mean, whatever. All right, let's get to this <laughs> Jalen Miro uh, conversation um, because it's interesting, right? I don't even – was it 24 hours after uh, the Queen Ewers commitment? It was very Maybe soon. Maybe 48 hours. It was within a couple of days. Yeah, because it was, it was over the weekend. Days. It was. So within a few days of the Quinn Ewers commitment, maybe just a couple of days of the Quinn Ewers commitment, for the 2022 class, you have Jalen Miro, who was committed to Texas, verbally committed to Texas. The quarterback uh, decided that he was flipping his commitment to Alabama. Uh, and Jalen Miro, I got to tell you, I got a lot of folks down in H-Town that love Jalen Miro and talk mm-hmm. about him all the time. Um, I've actually had some uh, some Longhorns who talk about Jalen Miro and how special he is. He is, uh, I, I, you know, and I got to tell you, I've seen film on him. I mean, he's a true kind of dual threat guy that can yeah. make a lot of things happen and improvise. Bryce Young, I believe, is also at Bama, right? Bryce Young is the quarterback out of Cali. Yes, that big... um, he's more a Russell Wilson comparison is what people have made about. He's like five ten, maybe five yes. eleven, but he's really, really great in terms of uh, uh, improvising and making plays when the play breaks down. He's one of those guys, and for him to be a, I think he was a five star. Yeah, be a five star like quarterback, six foot one ninety five or something. Somebody told me that six foot is generous. Yeah, because he's got that. But you know, either way. He's a game yeah, changer. Yeah, 197 they have him on Okay, the so horns, yeah, some people tell me that, yeah, he, he, they, they fudge his height a little bit. Yeah. But still, he's, he's an extraordinary player. A lot of people think Jalen Miro flipped his commitment because he was scared of the competition in the room at Texas. I'm, I'm not sure if that is the case, considering he's going to go to Alabama. And yes. Alabama's quarterback room, it ain't, it ain't no place. It ain't a bunch of jags and scrubs in that room. No. Even though you do have Hudson Card here at Texas. There's Casey Thompson, who's a, a savvy veteran. Mm-hmm. Jaquindon Jackson will be in that quarterback room. Uh, and, of course, you know Quinn Ewers, way, 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 way down the line, two years, would be in that quarterback room as well. It, Texas has a top-five quarterback room in the country right now. Uh, with based on everything it has in Quinn Ewers in the future, and what's to says come. that'll continue exactly, and what's to come. So I can see Jalen Miro, and that, he was included in that. I can see him going, I have an easier path to start at Bama Mm-hmm. than I do at Texas. By the way, that's a hell of a compliment to Texas and Tom Herman. Yeah, for flipping I, that room. Yeah, and I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that he's scared of the compliment at Texas. I, I, people make smart decisions these days. This is why you go into the transfer portal yeah. when the guy in front of you may be a sophomore and he's first starting or whatever it may it's be. It's a career decision. It's, exactly. So I, I don't know about that, oh, he was afraid of the competition. You're going to have competition everywhere. It's quarterback, for God's sake. If you're playing D1 football, one that you really aren't afraid of much. Yeah, so I'm not, <laughs> I don't think it's that. I think it's just a smarter decision. He's thinking to himself, Man, I can be playing at Bama quicker than I can be playing at Texas Mm -hmm. the way everything is working out. And if that's the case, hell yeah, that's a better decision in my opinion because Bama is 
right now known for look at the wide receivers that Bama's starting to produce. Yes. Multiple first-round wide receiver picks. You don't think other wide receivers around the country are going, hey, I want to go play at Bama now. They're producing great wide receivers on top of producing great offensive linemen and running backs. The, the two things they weren't producing yes. at Bama were wide receivers and quarterbacks. And now they're deciding, oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. Let's start producing wide receivers and quarterbacks at a first-round level. So I understand the, the decision by Jalen Murrow, and I don't knock it at all. You're choosing Bama over Texas, you can't knock that, folks. You can't hate on that. That's like choosing the Ivy Leagues if you're an academic over choosing you know, Texas or any other school because, you know, Alabama is known for producing NFL talent right now at a better rate and a higher success rate than Texas. It's just that simple, and we all know that. Yes, and when you're talking about Bama, I mean, again, this is, uh, I mean, talking about Houston and Katie and the SEC infiltration into the conference and into the state. It's an example of it right there, but you brought it up, and it's just the depth in the room, and anytime you're trying to look for a quick way to success, it's the same thing that when you're looking at a matchup and you say, well, if this one thing goes wrong, can I get the easy route to my success? Instead of having to have two or three or four variables have to align with you and sometimes just that situation it isn't as if like this is better than the other one it's just an easier path to get to that point and if you're talking about your career especially when you're talking about Alabama were a place like you said you've had some glaring holes but since they've gotten some good coaches since Lane came over and modernized the offense and now Steve Sarkeesian is a guy yeah. that's a really good quarterbacks coach and young quarterbacks and when you're talking about just one other young quarterback being the guy that you might have to compete with it makes total sense and when you start talking about the Texas quarterback room it's sort of started to remind me of what it would look like or in theory would look like to come in 2001 whenever Vince Young was committed as the top quarterback in the nation but you had a veteran or a couple veterans vying at the top of the way you did with Applewhite going out Sims is in then you have Chance Mock who was a good quarterback maybe that stopgap type guy but a guy that had his own accolades making parade all-american type teams and we're talking about the Texas locker room right now you know Sam's that veteran guy you have that big recruit like the Ewers the Vince Mm -hmm. in waiting while you still have some good serviceable to above average and heralded quarterback recruits and say your Hudson Carter your Casey Thompson so that quarterback room it's the first time really since that time or like say maybe in 05 oh, no, no, when right. Vince no, no. with Colt you, McCoy right behind because right. you had Colt yeah. and Jevin Sneed were the ones that were the future whenever Vince was going to be a junior senior in 06 but Vince left early so like do we, at that time you could see quarterback rooms loaded and the next generation now we didn't know what to expect in 05 we didn't think that room mm. was as good as it was below Vince the way that we knew that group below Sims you felt pretty good about the future and where it's going, and that's where Texas is right now with the Ewers situation. I think you, I think you were right in your first example because Mac Brown, when he first got here, of course, inheriting Major, which yeah. was great. That was awesome for him. But getting Chris Sims was the he was Major the best, was best quarterback, and essentially, yeah, he was a great bridge for him. He got the top quarterback in the country with Chris Sims, best top offensive player in the country actually in Chris mm-hmm. Sims. Then they got a chance. Don't forget, Chance Mark was a five star player. 
Yeah, he was a parade All-American. He was a five-star quarterback. And then they got Vince Young, who had, you know, he was a five-star quarterback, too. Well, I mean, and one time, Hutch you had he three five-star players in that quarterback room, and along with Matt Norgum, who, by the way, was the top <laughs> quarterback in the state, I believe, was when he? they recruited like him. Like one or something? Yeah, Matt Norgum was re- – so Mac was really smart about stockpiling quarterbacks. Now, Mac did not have the transfer portal in its current state being as easily accessible as it is now. He mm-hmm. had quarterbacks transfer. I remember Adam Hall. From Westlake, actually yep. transferred when Adam I was Dunn. He came here. He can't no, no, Adam Dunn, Adam Hall. I mean, there are tons of guys end up transferring because Mac Brown. He felt how I feel about quarterback, at least, and I think Tom Herman feels about it too. It, you got to treat the quarterback position like socks and underwear. You could never have too many. Um, mm-hmm. It is a problem now. You know, it's a great, uh, I think, great song by B.I.G. Uh, called "Mo Money, Mo Problems." <laughs> which seems ridiculous. But people who have a lot of money also have a lot of problems. They yep. do. I know a lot of people with money, and they got a lot of problems. But you know what? I think we'd all like to have those You'll problems. You'll sign up for the problems. I'll they just come with the money. Problems. The same thing is true for the quarterback position in college football. Yeah. All of the blue blood college football programs who are recruiting the top quarterbacks in the country, mm-hmm. all of them are dealing with the same issue. Quarterbacks transferring in, quarterbacks transferring out. Mo money, more problems. If you don't have this problem – and you're a blue blood college football program, you probably ain't doing it you right. Where you're supposed Georgia, to be. Ohio State, Bama, mm-hmm. Texas. I mean, you go, you name a, a blue blood college football program, and they're dealing with the transfer quarterback issue. And the only way to really solve it, yes, I'll go back to another B.I.G. lyric. All right, B.I.G. had a great lyric. I'm a pimp by blood, not relation. Y'all still chase them. I'll replace them. Yeah, that's the quarterback position. Don't chase them. They go. You only one can play. And then that one that's going to play, that's the only one that's happy. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, just know they're unhappy. Yes. Just know the rest of those quarterbacks who are playing in that room are unhappy. And there's a good chance they're going to they're gonna transfer. I'll give you the numbers because the numbers are staggering. Yeah. And they sound cartoonish and they don't even sound real. But I assure <laughs> you they are real. All right? Here's the Elite 11 number from 1999 to 2017. 99 out of 220 quarterbacks who went to Elite 11 camps from 99 to 2017, those are the best of the best, mm-hmm. transferred. That's 45%. Yeah. That's 45%. How about this number? You go take the five-star college quarterback prospects from 2010 to 2018, 19 of them, all right, 19 of them, 12 of those 19, transferred. Wow. 63%. Yep. Uh, how about this? <laughs> I got more numbers for you. You take the top five quarterback recruits in each class since 2011, all right? Top five quarterback recruits, and 65% of them transferred. <laughs> 65% of them. Man, that's the way you could start winning some bets every day. He's like, oh, this guy's uh, committed. He's like, all right, how much you want to bet? He's like, one of these two are going to be gone before you even know it. Um, blue chip recruit. This is a 247 sports study. Blue chip recruits from two blue chip quarterback recruits mm-hmm. from 07 2014. Um, 50% transfer rate is what they found from 247 sports composite ranking. So, no matter what, where you look at across the board, okay? You're going to have, as soon as that quarterback steps on campus, it's like when you buy a brand new car and you drive it off the, you know, drive it off the lot, right? Mm-hmm. You drive it off the lot, buy a brand new car. They say it decreases in value, what, like 30, 40 percent. As soon as you drive, immediately drive it off the lot. Yeah. Expect your, when you bring that blue chip quarterback on campus, 
50% chance he's going to transfer immediately when he steps on campus. That's why you want to get no two matter or three who or four. He is. Quinn Ewers, Jaquindon Jackson, Hudson Carr, Sam Ellinger may not be that case because he's special because he's wanted to be at Texas since he was like five years yes. old. And he right? would sit on the bench and fight for that job the way Case guys. McCoy did or he's something. He's one of those guys. But the truth is, if you – and you know what? You know who knows this more than anybody? Texas fans. Yes. Here, here's the number for Texas fans. Gilbert. Since 2006 – you're right. Since 2006, you have recruited and signed 21, <laughs> 21 quarterbacks, okay? All right? You sneeze, you Five are still on campus, but only four of them are still playing the quarterback position. Only two, two of those 21 quarterbacks have finished their eligibility playing the quarterback position. Three of them changed positions. Four, like I said, on campus right now playing quarterback. Ten of them transferred. Ten out of the 21 ended up transferring. Two had to retire because they got hurt, couldn't play football anymore. Only only Case McCoy and Tyrone Swoops yeah. since 2006 have finished their eligibility playing the quarterback position. And by the way, Swoops ended up being a situational player. Yes. So think about the success rate of quarterback. Why I just broke down for you right there. You got twenty one quarterbacks. You got a fifty percent transfer rate. So fifty percent success rate just right there. You got about a ten percent chance of those guys getting hurt, having to retire mm-hmm. early. All right. So you drop it down to forty percent. Then there's a chance of them changing positions. Rojo changed positions. Mm-hmm. Right. Quarterback changed positions a lot. For like Gerard Hurt changed positions. Yeah. Kyle John Childs. John Childs. All right. So another ten percent chance they're gonna change positions. Drops Tyrone down, Swoops in the NFL. Yeah, right. Change, <laughs> drops you down to twenty five percent success rate. And then you're talking about, okay, what about the um, what about just a guy just being a bust, just not working out? Or right? injuries like uh, David Ash uh, concussions. No, we, we, we already oh, accounted for that. Drop that. That was so the 10%. You, you got, right now, you're, you're right, and they had a 20% success rate on every quarterback you bring in potentially. Yeah. That's how hard it is to find a quarterback who can be a starter for multiple seasons. Get you and five we should in know that, that in Texas. Yeah, so exactly. So give yourself more options like Tom Herman. Tom Herman's doing it right. Just keep recruiting more quarterbacks, man. Just stockpile them. That's all you can do. Yep, it's what you got to do, and I told you I'd bring this up, uh, sort of sad thing to throw into the show, but it's oddly connected to Jalen Milrow, but it was a situation that played out last weekend, and my younger cousin, who Hayden McDonald was one of the wide receivers for Jalen Milrow on that Katie Tompkins team, and it would have been his 18th birthday this past week, but he got in a car wreck, passed away, and unfortunately, Really unfortunate thing for him, for the family, for everybody, and it was an odd connection because I remember talking to you all about how Jalen Milrow was oddly like my cousin played on the team with him. So I know that's something that even Jalen Milrow's probably been handling wow. in the recent week. I'm sorry, and yeah, brother, so it was a really tough that. situation. It was the day before his 18th birthday. But Hayden uh, loved football. He's a wide receiver guy that like. You know, this being a football show, thought I should bring it up on wow. here, especially being that he was a teammate of Jalen Milrow. Man, I'm sorry to hear so, that. Had That's to do that. horrible news. It was horrible news, but it involved with the football, involved with the show and the family. We're all family here with Longhorn Blitz, so I had to get it out there. Man, I'm sorry to hear that, brother. Um, thoughts and prayers. Uh, now, thanks to you, to all you guys, everybody man. else. Bro, that is really tough, man. Uh, love the folks that are in your life, man. Love them. Tell them you love them. Yep. Um, I know it's hard these days being isolated and like that, but uh, reach out to the people that are that are close to you, man, and cherish them. Cherish them for sure. News, and Hayden would always want to laugh, so he he would enjoy it. Maybe the awkward segue back to football. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, man. I really am sorry to hear that, though, man. No, that's, man, that's really you're you're my bud. Appreciate. It. Um, yeah, but I I think for for the young man Jalen Miro, like I said, I think guys, he's I think he's probably making the right decision for himself. I, and I started looking at the. 
and I always bring this up, you know, the Alabama, <laughs> the numbers when it comes to Alabama, and Jalen Murrow's not a five-star player, um, but if you are a really good player, because I was thinking about this when the Brockermeyer committed to Alabama, mm-hmm. um, and Tommy Brockermeyer is the five-star, right? Yep. Tommy's the, the, the lead honcho there. And when they chose Bama, and I said, you can't get mad at somebody for choosing Bama when over, if you look at the... <laughs> the success rate of Bama turning five-star prospects into first-round picks, that there is a ridiculous success rate for Bama. Right now, at Nick Saban, since 2008, these numbers, if you go to Bama and you're a first-round pick, you got a 51% chance, actually 52% chance, 51.5% chance to be drafted in the first round. <laughs> like, it's what the, unbelievable. The rest of the uh, the national <laughs> average is 21.2. Yeah, and that's just unreal to be gr- that high. That's, those are the best of the best. When you're turning five stars out and then your success rate's like two and a half times better than everybody else's. Crazy. It's like not only are your players better than everybody, but you're developing at a rate that's so much better than everybody. But, I mean, that's what Saban does. That's I mean, what it's does. What, and now he's doing it with wide receiver and quarterback. And it's why he <laughs> just loves doing it in college. Like that, his mentality just fits the SEC. It just fits the geographics. It fits everything about that school. I mean, it, it couldn't be a better alignment for I him. I totally agree. And uh, if you're if you're a five star prospect and you go to Bama, you got an eighty one percent chance, actually eighty one point nine percent chance, so eighty two percent chance to be drafted. Period. Just to be drafted. Uh, every other five star has a sixty eight point one percent chance going anywhere else in the country. To be drafted, but if you go to Texas as a five star, and we've thrown this out there before, mm-hmm. you only got a thirty percent chance to be drafted. Yeah, and, and you got a ten percent chance to be drafted first round as a five star. So you go to Texas, and your actual chances as a five star of making the NFL and making it to the first round drop below the national average significantly. Yeah. That's why you can't blame somebody for picking back. And that's why we had so career. many coaching changes over the last few years, and those numbers right there just show the why that happened. And you look at Herman going forward, I'll be interested to start tracking that, though, with the class, starting with, say, Stearns' class going forward and looking at how Tom Herman's rate on – producing NFL caliber five-star players and see how much improved, if there is much of an improvement along those lines, because a lot of the times when we look at these collegiate numbers, it's really hard to be able to pull out Mm -hmm. specifics because you're tying together independent of a group of kids that had nothing to do with this group four years later, these coaches with that. And it's Texas fans knows that there's been systemic and institutional problems here for a decade that got Texas into the issues, which is why when those studies are done, it can just show the glaring inefficiencies that Texas performed that for such a long time. But it's also something to at least look forward to seeing that, oh, well, maybe Texas not only getting the guys, but starting to produce with those guys going yeah. forward. But that also, I mean, you got to have five years at a school to even get that opportunity. And that would be what Texas is envying, what Texas hasn't had since Mac Brown and what they're hoping right. to get out of Herman. Yeah, no, Herman's on a, I will give, I will praise him for what he's done in two, two rooms specifically, two position groups and two position rooms, quarterback and running back. When he first got here, you could argue those were the two worst positions in terms of overall talent and talented depth on the team. They were bereft of talent. Running back was, I mean, it just was. I mean, I'm trying to diss those young guys. And we were in quarterback hell as a program. Yes. And within three years Offensive line hell. 
Offensive line hell as well. Helps yeah. make quarterback yeah. hell. And, and you know what? Now we'll see about the offensive line. We still don't know about that. I still think I think it's going to be a strength, it, but it's better now. Uncertain. But it is much better one. now. You've we'll see if Sam in. Cosme can break the uh, the streak of not having a first yes. round. But offensive the last line, decade has been old line hell. Yeah, basically. you're right yeah. about that. Um, that's you know I think he's still working on that. Still working mm-hmm. on tight end. Mm-hmm. Something still working on. But running back. Yep. And quarterback, wide receiver at Texas has still always been, I think, had it's talent. It's amazing. In one year, been you developed. flipped running back. One year. Because at this time Pretty last much. year, you had nothing. They had yeah, injuries. Yeah, injuries. And you move in Roshan and David Benda yeah. over. And right. then, but, I mean, you see the production. Did you say Benda over? <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Moving Benda over. <laughs> I, okay, I, no, I, did I say thought you were trying to go a pun there. Oh, no, was I, I was, it was brilliant. an accidental pun. <laughs> Moving Benda over. Moving Benda over. Okay. That, that's a uh, good go one ahead. to remember now. Maybe now I want him to play, so that could be his nickname. That'd be lyrical. You could start a song about it. Uh, Moving Benda over. Yes, no, no in, in oh, unintended pun there. Those are sometimes even better. <laughs> but, like, you go from having just, like, you knew Keontae had a great future, but you still wanted to see it. You had just lost your grad transfer yep. running backs and stuff and then you had to move over a linebacker and then move Roshan into the Q- from the QB room over. And then one year when you throw in Bijan and then you're healthier Whittington and then now Roshan, you feel as if, like, well, no matter what, he can be the security blanket of all security blankets across the board or be that one tool that needs to be utilized. He's almost like a built-in veteran back as of coming out of his freshman year. It's weird, man, how <laughs> mature he is as a runner physically and also – I mean, mentally. It's weird. Like, it's it, just football IQ. It, like, Quay Quandre showed up and was just totally there. Agree that. That's, a, that's a very good point. And, I mean, he was voted to the leadership council over Keontae Ingram. And not, I'm not saying it means anything, but in that running back room, mm-hmm. they voted Rojo, who just switched to running back. So he's he's new to the position, mm-hmm. but also new to the room. And instantly, they, they recognize his leadership and go, okay, that guy needs to be a leader. That, to me, yeah. says a lot. The exact same thing that yeah. happened in Portland when Damian Lillard is rookie year and it's LaMarcus Aldridge's team. And then by the end of his rookie year, they're like, no, it's Lillard's team. It's a buzzer it. beater. <laughs> and he knocks <laughs> Houston out of the playoffs God. with a. Like, there's only been six buzzer beaters to end a series. That dude has two of them it's in NBA history. Six of them in NBA history. He has two of them. He did one as a rookie and he took over that team as a rookie. And But, like, when you said that with Rojo, it's exactly like a first rookie year. You know Lillard. what? Let's, let's be honest here. And I listen, I I love Keontae Ingram. I think he's he's really good. Um, last year he was inconsistent. Some of the big games, Oklahoma, um, Iowa State, or LSU. The LSU drop. Yeah, um, you wouldn't. He wouldn't be. He was not the best version of himself. He's got to start off pretty good this year because with Bijan right behind mm-hmm. um, Keontae in this competition, from what I hear, Bijan is special. Yes, <laughs> and of course he's a five star, so of course mm-hmm. he's special. And then you got Rojo, in my opinion, who's really kind of neck and neck. Yeah. With Keontae in terms of the competition. I could see, you know, yes, there's a running back by committee here, but I could see those other two guys asserting themselves, and then maybe Keontae kind of drops back in that rotation a little bit because I could I, I could I could see it. I wouldn't be shocked if it ended up happening yes. by midseason because of how special but Bijan is and just how mature Rojo is. Yeah, and that room it's really starting to remind me, and I'm not trying to compare because this team's nothing like the 05 team, but the running back room in 05 is sort of what happened to Selvin Young because Selvin was a guy that had only produced very well in limited snaps. Like 03 04, that time he had some burst. It looked like Selvin could be a top end running back when said he was this. gone. Yeah. But then 
who came in freshman Jamal Charles was in there already yeah. and that's sort of your Bijan and the year before that though was freshman Ramos and that's sort of what Rojo was he is loved, now a yeah. different style player but a freshman that came out and had to take snaps away because of his value to the room so now you have this three-headed four-headed five-headed monster which is just a luxury to have at Texas and it's exactly where we want the room to be oh yeah but it's also something that can be you can lose snaps you can maybe not be as good in situations as your peers and still not be insulted that this isn't a dish on you at all like it's yeah. just that room is one hell of a room, hell of a room and man. that's what you want Texas to be and when you look at the way that it sort of plays out with the Bijan to the Jamal mm-hmm. with the old head being the Keontae now and it's like well if worse comes to worse we lose two or three running backs like we did last year <laughs> we still got still a guy good. that can go be a workhorse back. Still got a cable starter, starter yes. there. If not you can showcase Bijan to the way you showcase Jamal Charles in that offense and I, I mean I totally why he came out of the gate running, bu- busting the most explosive plays for a f- true freshman, I think, ever that Texas has had. And then ended up being your best NFL rusher per carry. And, and I've compared the backfield. I'm glad you made the same comparison to that old, those 04, 05 years, just in terms of how much talent you have overall. Mm-hmm. All right, let's, uh, let's move on. we got a couple other items that I want to hit before we get out of here. Troy O'Meary, mm. who was described in a lot of the practice reports as being not only the best freshman so far in the breakout freshman, but some people were saying he was looking like he was one of the best offensive weapons out there yeah, for Sam Ellinger. He was getting reps with the first team. Yeah, um, top wide early receiver. Practice. Yeah, he was 6'3", 230, carries it well. He does not look 230. I know what you're saying, 230. He, I've seen him run routes. He carries it really, really yeah. well. And unfortunately, in one of the first scrimmages of the uh, the training camp for Texas, he ended up having a serious injury, ended up being a torn ACL. Um, so he is going to be out for the rest of the season. So a lot of high praise. I don't think the 2-1 is cursed right now. Oh, Jordan God. Whittington had it last year, and he, <laughs> he ended up being hurt. Now Troy Murray, and both those guys were highly hyped. Oh, man, you know what? Yeah, hope those guys get new numbers, man. Get out of the 2-1 if it's, if it's cursing you like that. I don't like that. But uh, what are your thoughts, Matt? I'm very disappointed in Troy Murray uh, having the injury. I'm sad for that young man, number one. But he's got a bright future. He's got obviously a long time to heal, and he's you know he got red shirts, so he'll be around for a while. But I, in terms of the impact on the offense, I'm a little frustrated because we were talking about the lack of proven commodities at wide receiver. It was going to be great to have another option potentially out there that would give Sam's more weaponry to work yep. with. Because, I mean, in the spring, you know, especially while we were all dealing with the quarantine and the, this freshman group, you didn't even get to hear or see as much as you normally would for any type of young group that's coming in. So the to have him sort of jump out and become something that you were looking like the team thought he could be like your top end wide receiver and he'd be showcased. It's really a blow, but also for the situation, I mean, you don't want to say luckily it happened early in his career, but when it happened and being that it's this odd COVID year and being this freshman year is one point. type of situation where who knows? I mean, I expect us to play football, but who knows if we are able to do everything the way that you expect us to this year. So if there's any silver lining, it would be that it's during this odd, weird, what we don't even know what will be mm-hmm. year. But for the kid, that's just a huge bummer. And then for the number 21, yeah, I actually heard you drop while I was driving around yesterday and I was going through the head of like, what other 21s have been here since you left? And like, I think there were some of the Blake Gideon. or the 
Oh yeah, well, Blade Gideon, Gideon was Gideon's the one Gideon's that's the been one. the successful, Gideon's really the good because there had yeah. been some other local Austin area kids that, that had, were big recruits that just never panned out in that same number. It's a two-one cursed. Yes, I don't know. We'll I see. I don't know, man. We got to figure this well, out. It's, it's <laughs> also, it's also an envied number. I can't believe there haven't been more twenty. Like the idea that Dion, when we were kids, twenty-one in football was the was coolest. Sexy. That was, was the sexy. coolest one you could yeah. get out but there. But he looked well, good. Tore Amiri looked good in two-one. Yeah. It was, it, so you know, did DJ. DJ wore it one year, didn't he? He wore twenty-seven, and I thought he changed it Ooh, one I'm of not the years. Sure. I think he might have changed it in the twenty thirteen um, year. I'll double but, check it. Troy yeah. Mary looked really good in two one. I mean, that was oh, twenty one looks. People good. making those Calvin Johnson compare just in the look, and he did. He mm-hmm. looked the part. Uh, but just to be back on the field about Troy Mary. I I loved his catch radius. And Sam Ellinger has been, and this year he'll have to uh, adapt and really evolve into being a mature season passer that can make those NFL throws and throw guys open based on the leverage of the mm-hmm. defender and put the ball in a really really uh, acute spot. And I think he can do that. But he's used to L.J. Humphreys and Colin Johnson's guys with really long, wide-ranging catch radiuses, mm-hmm. and he and that's what I think Troy Mary gives you. If you're a quarterback, you love that when I can just throw it in the vicinity of a guy rather than having to pinpoint it yes. and put it on his numbers every time. No, Colin and the guy Johnson can still was catch your perfect it. guy. Yeah, so that's what Troy Mary I think provided for him and. Uh, it's unfortunate he won't have that. And you know what I envision for Troy Mary? You know, we talked about Cade Brewer and how the tight end position, you know, don't force the tight end position. If if Cade Brewer's not going to give you uh, a skill set and give you a matchup advantage some way, then try to put another guy on the field, schematically make it work so that you can get a matchup advantage. You remember in 2009, um, Dan Buckner. Yes, when he was flexed. They used to put him in that flex role. They did it a little bit with Shipley, too. I think I want to say they maybe did it with Malcolm Williams, Malcolm Williams who was there at the time, or, too, right? Yeah. They didn't really have a tight end, so they would put these guys who like stay like 6'3", 220. Mm-hmm. They were longer, big, long, wide receivers, and they would put them right there, flex next to the tackle, and if they ran the ball, they would block down. Mm-hmm. But they would DJ use Grant was supposed to be that guy. Yeah, but then they kept having injuries because yep. the tight end position had been cursed for a while, and then they would use that guy to threaten the seam. And they didn't do it all the time, but they did it a lot. I think Dan Buckner ended up with 40-plus receptions, yep. over 400 yards and four touchdowns. In 09 and 08, Malcolm was doing that before uh, yeah, Buckner did exactly. it. Exactly. So I uh, give props to Greg Davis. I thought that if Cade Brewer didn't give you enough this year, and I hope Cade Brewer is a breakout performer, we don't even have to worry about that, but if he didn't, you could have Troy Mary 6'3", 230, right there at that flex row. Mm-hmm. He could block down. He could, he could run the, you know down the seam on a linebacker or a safety, and that's a matchup advantage. To me, I thought you know that's a guy that could provide you the eleven personnel look you want, but instead give you a matchup advantage. Almost looks like ten personnel out there, but he can be another body in the box. Yeah, and that, he's big enough. And that's the type of guy. Whenever you first started to see the frame, because I didn't know O'Meary was six three two thirty until like a week or two ago. Whenever he's, people were talking about how impressive he was, and it's in my mind, I was like, oh wait, because that's sort of why I imagined. Black to be whenever you saw Black, but we saw Black with his injuries not necessarily yep. get to this be the peak athleticism that he was at Michigan as compared to his freshman year whenever he showed up on campus. And I don't know how much of that was Michigan because it seems like their strength and conditioning programs in that Mad Dog style where they're still just adding weight and girth to these dudes. Like Michigan never seemed to be sleek or quick or fast. It never looked like yeah. it would showcase. And then you add injuries that. to that recipe and it maybe 
black wasn't maximized. So that's what I was envying and hoping black could maybe become at Texas if he was healthy. And then you have a freshman show up and has that body type and the skill set and all that. And it's like, okay, well, he's going to do that. So then now it makes me think back. Well, it's like, okay, well, maybe you have a luxury. Maybe black is healthy finally and could be a guy that can be more versatile of a wide receiver. Yeah. Otherwise, though, we're going to be sort of stuck back with what you had spoke about and this being an offense that starts right, right with Sam and really incorporating more run pass options and being yep. able to go and incorporate in more of the running back pass game. And it's just it's so easy. I mean, and if you're watching NBA playoffs every single week in or every single day and watching some of these bigs that can it's I was watching yesterday and seeing these dribble handoffs from Jonas Valanciunas or the one from Jokic. And it's yeah. really in the same idea of a mobile quarterback with the run pass option oh, it is, yeah. and the same concepts yeah. and like to be able to totally use agree. the defense so quick. Yep. But like the idea that you're handing off when you're Jokic to Jamal Murray, who can just heat up and go crazy. Yeah. And when Sam's doing that and you have Whittington, you have option Smith and these yeah. different guys, but you all, but it's also connected. The battery mate is like your most explosive, fast twitch guy that's going to be played off of the quarterback. It really does make me feel more confident that the, this offense, if it's just schematically and structured and tweaked the way that we want to see the efficiencies added to a more modern offense, it could be so good. And then if you add in pieces on the outside, like say what we had wanted in O'Meary or what you could envy in Black being if he's healthy, it really could add that next level. But I don't even know how much Texas will need it because we have seen how productive certain teams. I mean, the 49ers offense or watch anything automated Lincoln Riley offense. You go inside and be able to have that quarterback with the multitude of options at the beginning, and you're just yep. sort of letting the defense choose their own death. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that. And, I, and I'll add this to the conversation. I know we're getting ready to wrap things up. It, I think, and I've said it before, build this passing game around the running backs and that H position, which is basically kind of the it, – it, it's almost half in the backfield. It, it, it stands for hybrid. So mm-hmm. Jordan Whittington is a hybrid, and so is Jake Smith. They're hybrid, half running back, half wide receiver, or a running back with wide receiving tendencies or vice versa. And I think that's how you build the passing game, and then you build it inside out, and then you start to look at the wide receiver. If you build that passing game around these wide receivers – unproven Tariq Black with an injury history. Brandon Eagles, God bless him, love him, has stated that he was not going to play this year, but I'm glad he's out there. right? And then Troy Meary getting hurt. Mm-hmm. I think that would be ill-advised. You build this passing game inside out, in yes. my opinion. And that H position, we know that's going to get the bulk Less of it Less margin anyway. for error, too, that Totally way. agree. Yeah, it's more of a high percentage passing game for Sam Ellinger. Okay, real quick, because I know we got a couple of minutes here. If Texas doesn't beat OU this year, Holy hell, because they just lost Kennedy Brooks. Um, True. Uh, Kennedy Brooks is opting out of the season. He had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons for him. Remember, they lost Trey Sermon earlier because he transferred to Ohio, Ohio. State. I'm, I'm sure he's regretting that decision now. Uh, and uh, Ronnie Perkins on the defensive side of the ball. Remember, he got suspended at the end of last year. Yeah. He's supposed to be one of their breakout performers on defense, one of their stars on defense. Caleb Kelly also hurt for them, right? Caleb Kelly, they're starting linebackers out. I believe Trey Norwood, mm-hmm. when they're starting cornerbacks, starting defensive backs, also hurt for the year. And that, that happened like late 2019. Yeah. Okay. And then so, Lincoln, and, and everything then, Lincoln's saying. And then everything Lincoln's saying. And then you got Spencer Rattler, a brand new quarterback, inexperienced, but hell, it's Lincoln Riley and quarterbacks. Am I wrong to think, Matt, that if Texas can't beat out OU this year, then 
Now you're spot, you're it's spot never going to happen. No, I mean, <laughs> you, just, you got, you you got, got senior Sam. <laughs> you, you finally got a loaded room. It's like all your top end uh, defense guys on the defensive end that like they might leave early. You finally got NFL talent guys. These are the leave early year. This is that. This is that season. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but if it all aligns, that's also what sort of 08 became. Whenever it was the end of now is Richard Junior year, but it was able to incorporate in these guys, and then you had that top end talent that could start leaving early talent yeah. and see how it goes after that. Man, it's crazy. But I will say it's about Lincoln Riley. Uh, he has average. His offense have averaged over eight <laughs> yards per play, 2017, 18, and 19. Uh, and in the last 10 years, those are the only offenses in college football to do so. <laughs> I, I would venture to guess <laughs> if average you... over eight yards per play in that time span. There have been 1,263 offenses in the last 10 years, and his are the only ones to average over eight yards per play in the last three. I know he has like four of the top 10 ever. I bet if you were to just get the mean average of the last four years, it would grade out as the best offense oh, yeah. in history. With three different quarterbacks, by yes. the way. And Oklahoma's won the Big 12 13 times with eight different starting quarterbacks. So, And two of them were first-year quarterbacks with him. Uh, the last oh, yeah, two. you are right. Yeah, Tyler, so. just new quarterback. We don't even know who's going to. Oh, yeah, we got that guy so. coming in, transferring. Yeah. So we, uh, we know- take the SEC quarterbacks. As long as they got Lincoln. They got a shot. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's another edition of Longhorn Blitz. I want to thank my man, Matt Buller, for everything you do. Thanks, Matt. Uh, you're more than welcome, man. Thank you. I want to thank the good folks here at ARN, the Austin Radio Network. Thank the good folks at Horns 247 and 247 Sports. Shout out to my man, Jeff Howe. He'll probably be back with us next week, we are hoping, and hoping you will be back with us next week as well. Uh, Love you guys. Everybody have a great rest of the week. Peace. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.